And welcome to another episode of the Dynasty Trades HQ Podcast. My name is Michael Sipes. You can find me on Twitter at FFBlitz. And I'm here with my partners, Jeremy Brown. Hey, what's up? Back again at Dynasty Madman on the Twitter box. <laughs> and Shane Manila. Uh, what's up, party people? <laughs> hey, you know, we've got a big show today because we've got Scott Barrett coming on to talk about rookies. And, and I mean, we have a couple little things about news, and I guess we could do that really quick. But Scott's waiting on us. So why don't we talk about these couple news things that we have here that brought to you by FantasyData.com. Use our promo code TRADESHQ and get your discount there. Let's do this real quick. What was the news? The big news story was Drew Brees coming back, right? Drew, old man. One Drew more Brees year, yeah. Coming back. Yeah, one more year, eh? So can milk that, milk those fantasy points for one more year. I don't think you're going to be able to trade him, though. Everybody knows it's one more year. Trade him this year. I mean, now, that, right? but that's that's kind of been the case for the last yeah. <laughs> four years. <laughs> right. Where yeah. it's like, yeah. all right, well, I guess I'll just have him die on my roster. Um, which, whatever, that's fine. I think the bigger impact would be the the other two guys, you know, the the Taysom Hill and the Teddy Bridgewater. You know, the, there was talk for a little bit, maybe about a month ago, that, oh, Taysom Hill was going to do it or be the guy there. And now everything I've heard and read the last two days is where's Teddy going to go? Yeah, um, where's he going to go, right? Yeah. I don't care because, um, frankly, he's a game manager. Um, I don't own him anywhere because I really – don't expect much out of him to be quite honest with you he's a game manager that's what he was in minnesota um that's what he was last year for uh what do you call those people the saints <laughs> um nice. whatever go wherever you want i mean he's gonna go to miami for a year I, there's no situation that would have been better for him than stepping in where he's at already yeah well, he knew that the first time he had a chance to pick teams right like it was it made sense for him to go there um I mean, you know, he didn't know Drew Brees would get hurt, but an aging quarterback, a great offense, that was a smart decision for him to to be a saint. Now I'm with you, Teddy Bridge quarterback water. Um, you know, he's definitely more like a bridge quarterback out somewhere for a year, like you just said, Shane. Um, I, I've always been a fan of his, but yeah, he's, he's not going to be, you know, more than, you know, your Derek Carr kind of guy and uh, probably really well suited to be a backup quarterback, honestly, in the NFL. But, you know, like a bridge quarterback and take those starting opportunities when they come because he's a competitor and will probably want that. But, you know, what's that going to do for your fantasy team? Maybe a couple games here and there. I Yeah, I, I wouldn't seek him out. Um, I tend to keep him where I have him, though, because people don't offer much. You know, you got him off the waiver wire or whatever. You may as well just hang on to him and hope for the best and maybe get a week out of him or something next year to um, – break up your super flex uh, bye weeks or something. I don't know. You know, we rushed through this. <laughs> we rushed through this because we have uh, Scott waiting, but I, I, I think I got to take it back. When I said the bi- the first news was Breeze, the bigger news, at least for all of us watching football, is the expanded playoffs that they're saying they're going to be voting on that may even go into effect this year. So they want a 17-game season um, and 14 teams in the playoffs, one team with a bye, uh, what's that? So that would be six wild card games. Yeah, they said there'd be three games on Saturday and three games on Sunday. So you know where this does worry me, though. So say you're almost locked into a wild card spot, but have no shot at the number one overall seed to get that by. What's to stop you from resting players in week sixteen, even? Um, um, or which would be now what week seventeen? Right. There'd be eighteen weeks. 
Um, <laughs> I know uh, it's confusing. Yeah. So if there, the one good thing is if there's 17 games, I'm assuming that means there's 18 weeks of football. So fantasy can go a little longer. The bad thing is, are they going to throw another buy in there? Or are they going to players going to rest? Um, during week 17 and 18 i don't know uh, yeah it could it could be a negative at the end of the year like that you know i haven't looked at this at all guys to you know evaluate it in in any way i know we'll talk about it more going forward but uh it's it is exciting just to have like you know expanded opportunities for fantasy football you know definitely the, the only thing i thought of as a positive so far and the nfl course is going to make more money and that's what they want so works out for everybody i guess <laughs> i think fantasy wise especially as a commissioner and everything i don't think i'd want to expand the the regular season fantasy from like 13 to 14 games and then push the whole playoffs because you're probably right Shane. Uh, we already have enough problems right now if you're if your playoffs go all the way to week 17 and then if you're going to have an extra week in there i think i would just keep it the the same way it is just let the NFL change, the, not fantasy. And the bye weeks too. Um, that's you know that was the thing I thought about when I first heard about this bye weeks. Like, um, is that going to mess up? Um, how are they going to structure that differently? Or are they you know is because we all, all struggle with that a little bit during the fantasy <laughs> season. I'm just curious to know how you know I want to know now how, how's that going to shift up the bye weeks? How's that going to affect my team? Bye weeks are already is so screwed up as it is. It's uh, you know and for whatever reason there's always that one week that has more teams on a bye than any other week. And um, mm-hmm. well, all right, so. Like we said, we have Scott here. We have so much to talk to Scott about, the DFB, with rookies, all that kind of stuff. So while Jeremy gets Scott to come in the room, Shane, why don't you tell everybody about our Patreon account? So yeah, we have a Patreon account. And um, actually today, I, I um, for the first time in a couple of weeks, I went back in and started updating some of the running back data. Um, and I just got through 2016. I added um, receptions for that season total carries, total years, and average receptions entering the season. Um, and that took a long time, but uh, I was stuck home today with a sick kid, and uh, so I had the time. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so, you know, that's what you get when you're a patron. Um, you get some written content, but what you really get is the uncensored version of this show. You get the group me chat, which is probably the best group me chat that's ever existed. <laughs> um, yeah, I will say those guys never stop chattering, man, and talking <laughs> They, yeah, they never I, stop chattering and talking about trades in there. It's amazing. And I did the math. Um, per capita, we have more podcast hosts in that <laughs> fruit me chat than there are cows. And yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah, it definitely um, seems that way. It seems like it's an incubator for making podcast hosts. I mean, well, I mean, like you said, yeah. the point remains that there are like probably more podcast hosts in there, judging by all the solicitations than in any other uh, thread noted man. Yeah, but I, I so just become a patron. It's worth it. You know, you could do it for as little as buck a month if you want to just jump in the group me chat. But if you want to get the podcasts, uh, the bonus podcast every week and the uncensored episodes uh, of this podcast, uh, you need to become a patron. Step on up and step on in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> guaranteed to have fun, man. Right? I mean, it's it's a fun group and always active. That's that's the coolest two things about it. I really like this idea too with you, Shane, doing the written content and the stuff that you're working on. Not only do you put that out there, but you were also showing everybody what you were working on. So they saw your whole work process with your computer and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of cool. You have to focus that sexy energy on um, a few things and do them well instead of everything pretty well. Now you can do 
the few things like really well, which you're yeah, capable the show. of. I'll just focus be on awesome. the show. Yeah, no, it was nice. Um, I got to break out the second screen today. Yeah. <laughs> I, was over, I was over the, uh, well, well, my, my, uh, estranged spouse's house um and i was able to like out the the second screen out on the uh dining room table with uh, it was beautiful just just compiling data while my sick son was laying on the sofa with all with ryan matthews and all his glory i saw that <laughs> that's amazing yeah, good for you man i like that running back stuff you're putting together uh, I think that's great sharing that with the patrons and um yeah i look forward to reading it more thoroughly myself and talking to you some about that um all right, so Jeremy, did you did we get Scott in the room? Yeah, see, see for yourself. Oh yeah, there he is. <laughs> Just because you know we're, we're all familiar with Scott, like apparently way too familiar because we're just like oh yeah scott's here um <laughs> not really befitting his uh status in the dynasty and fantasy football world uh let's give him a better introduction than that well yeah, just introduce him like we did the first time tell everybody who he is and where he's from that's on the sheet and then and then we'll talk to him like we're old friends just let everybody are, know who he is but you guys are so funny i wasn't introducing him like that i was just we were picking it up like we said to jeremy to go get scott to bring him in the room there are so other scott parents out there in the world yeah but all i did was I mean, ask he was here I didn't do the introduction yet, but yes, now we do have Scott Barrett in the room, the senior fantasy yes, football do. analyst from Pro Football Focus. Hey, how you doing, Scott? Hey, guys. Yeah, no, I, I'm the man who needs no introduction, or, <laughs> or at, least, at least for you guys. I, I thought I was the Alec Baldwin of, you know, SNL of your podcast, where, you know, just a reoccurring frequent guest pops in every now and then. That's perfect. I remember we mentioned that last time you were around, and that's pretty good. <laughs> you know, it is pretty uh, much true. If you ever want to come on the show, we will always make space for you. So well, I, I we, love, we I love that. that standing invitation, and and now's a great time to do it. I got a bunch of awesome uh, dynasty content coming out on the rookies. Uh, I feel really good about where I stand. I built this fancy new model that literally took, you know. <laughs> four weeks of my life to build. And it's just like, so impressive uses the best PFF stats. So strong. So awesome. So excited to talk that with you guys talk, maybe a little DFB league. Uh, after we both disappointed in year one, um, yeah, that's actually what we, we were going to start off with tonight because we actually haven't spoke about DFB in a, in a little bit. So we thought a long time. Yeah, we thought having you here tonight, we would start off with how did it end up with you? How did it end up with us? How did the league finish off? Well, we had we had, uh, you know, high expectations. Like we said, we were the, the best the team, the best team short term and the best team long term. And obviously, you know, short term. That was a little overzealous, especially considering, you know, we were up against all these teams who like sold out in year one, like Graham, like Evan, like Barry, who, who, you know, were the top three teams all year. Meanwhile, look at us. We have one, two, three, four, five uh, picks in the top 16, uh, seven in the top 23, nine in the top 30. So, you know, <laughs> and we're, we're stacked long-term, but short-term, uh, a lot of disappointment. Le'Veon Bell yeah. was a was a massive disappointment. David Montgomery. I just did a big thread on on why he. Uh, I, I'm worried about him. Damian Williams. Uh, some wide receiver injuries. Juju. Uh, a lot of things that that could go wrong did go wrong in year one for sure. And Jeremy, how did we end up doing? 
not great. <laughs> we're, we were definitely not one of the best teams in the league. Uh, one of the worst. We did not finish in last place, though. Uh, we made some trades and improved the roster, got some picks. I think we, we made up for lost time. And, and hey, Scott, do you, do you still want Hakeem Butler? I, I meant to ask you. It's been a while. <laughs> we're going to send I, him I, to you. Don't put that evil on me. I don't think I ever wanted Hakeem Butler. <laughs> okay. Well, if you if you'd like to give up any of those uh, first round picks, picks we we do need. Uh, we do have Michael Thomas, who's on the block, um, and right now he is like a lipstick on a pig. Okay. I think that's the saying. <laughs> lipstick yeah. on a pig. Yeah, that, that's. Yeah, that we're we're ready to trade our best player. Do we have any first round picks? Do we have any first round picks? Negative. Ah. Oh. So maybe we can end up doing a trade with you, Scott, live on the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put him on the hey, uh, hey what, me and TJ have been trying to get uh, Michael Thomas from you guys for a while. I think I know. before the season started, we were like, you guys should be tanking and we want Thomas. <laughs> before the <laughs> season started, crap. you told us we should be tanking. <laughs> I, I think so, but the, the joke's on us because, because uh, you know, like, like we said, we finished, we finished fourth worst and we get – we sold our first to someone else. Um, so, you know, we, we bet we'd be a lot better than we, than we were. Of course, we have the 101, the 110, 11, 13, 16, 22, 23. So we're well positioned and we're loaded. Uh, we're well positioned to purchase Michael Thomas. Ah, See, yeah, and you were right. We should have tanked. <laughs> I, I want to let you know, this is why I like Scott. He doesn't just talk shit. Um, and this is true to his fantasy, like his fantasy analysis. He, um, he, you know, practices what he preaches. We're talking about a trade here and I go to log on to send him an offer. And you know, who's on the DFB page right now. He is. Yes. <laughs> See Scott, what usually when we're doing a show, Shane is, as doing trade offers and sending stuff out while we're talking, you know, if somebody, yeah, like, he's not necessarily doing the show unless we bring up something he doesn't want to talk about. And he's like, yeah, let's just do the show. But then during the show, he's not doing the show. He's trading with you in the background. Why are our quarterbacks so bad? That's, I oh guess, Jesus Christ. Dude, the whole team's bad. Scott was right. We should have just tanked. I mean, he didn't, he did not miss the speech. Well, if you guys are looking for quarterbacks, we have Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Kyler Murray, and, Maybe soon enough, Joe Burrow with the 101 or Tua, but Tua. probably Joe. And the fact that you said Carson Wentz, Shane kind of sat up a little bit more, you know, because isn't this the league where, <laughs> sorry, isn't this the league, Shane just made a face. Was this the league where Shane wanted Carson Wentz, Jeremy, and, and yeah. we didn't? Yeah, yeah and just... we, didn't, we didn't let him. Yeah. I think he was mad about that the rest of the draft, and it was just like the three of us in a tug of war, and it really benefited our roster, as you can tell, to play like that. <laughs> I mean, I think you guys took Jared Goff over over Wentz. We did. We did. We did. <laughs> but not but in the not took in the Michael same. Thomas over a lot of other bodies, and I know that that wasn't the unanimous decision. I think I finally convinced Mike that we needed to take Michael Thomas. That did work out okay. We definitely have trade leverage with him, as uh, you know, he finished top of the charts last year at wide receiver. No surprise, but um, now we have an asset for Shane to try to get a first round pick with. For for sure, I, I just wanted to mention two guys who went before Michael Thomas, or three. One was Todd Gurley, one was Juju Smith-Schuster, who who we took. Oh my there was God. Odell Beckham Jr. and those guys have you know, you know, fallen uh, precipitously. Well, look, I, I mean, look, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Going into last year, um, I know I wasn't the only one that had Juju ranked as his top dynasty wide receiver. Oh. Um, 
a year without Ben Roethlisberger and having below replacement level um, quarterback <laughs> play and being injured will, will definitely do a number on your, uh, you know, your uh, value in dynasty. Yeah, and you know what's funny, Scott? You you you're making appearances on other shows talking about rookies and everything. And when you make the comment that you're, I'm jealous. yeah, but I'm gonna say, no, no, no. What I'm saying, no, I'm not. I'm not jealous at all. What I'm saying is, I am. No, I'm not. What I was gonna say to him is the fact that he made that joke about being the Alec Baldwin to our show. You go on to these other shows and talk all this seriousness about rookies and stuff. But you're here on our show, and now we've spent like ten minutes talking about let's do a trade. Yeah, let's do it. You know, so it's a totally different. Uh, experience for you being a guest on here than it is on some of the other shows so so absolutely and i, I was just messing around like I, before the show started i was like yeah i wanted to give you guys the the exclusive you should have had me on earlier <laughs> but, but i do like that you know I, it's it's the cold analysis of here's the players and versus you know here's my strategy here's what i'm actually doing the players i've actually acquired uh, i do need to you know uh say that that i i am uh with a partner in this league. Uh, so not all of the, the decisions are mine. Like uh, I would like to throw uh, TJ under the bus a little bit on the, the Juju pick maybe. That was his, uh, a few other, we got George Kittle, we got we got Hunter Henry, who's gonna be a New England Patriots soon, maybe, hopefully, we'll see. But That'd be cool. I, I, I thought there was chatter today about Jimmy Graham to New England. I'm not really sure yeah. why. I mean, it's the off season, so everybody just spews anything that they can think of out on the Twitterverse. Yeah, there was so much in all that Diggs talk today and everything like that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's true. Diggs is coming to the Eagles. Just calm down. <laughs> you hope so. <laughs> so then, Scott, are you also saying that if Sh- if Shane ended up putting together a good trade with you, you wouldn't be able to do it without talking to TJ? I mean, TJ is the, TJ is the go-to trade guy. I just, like, I hate trades. I just hate, you know you know, haggling. I hate, you know, having to check and make sure I'm not getting ripped off for a player I, I really love. So that's uh, that's TJ's whole department. Um, so so you probably, yeah, probably can't sign off on it without TJ's approval. Hey, we have the same issue, the three of us, you know, trying to trying to make trades. It's gone well, you know, pretty pretty well so far. You know, we had Deshaun Watson. That was a pretty good quarterback asset we, we took um, early in the draft. And, um, uh, we traded him for Cam Newton and uh, Miles Sanders, I believe. Right, Shane? Yeah, it didn't um, work out. It uh, didn't work out. Um, <laughs> yeah, didn't walk. Didn't work out yet. Yeah, last season it didn't work out. But it did help us tank if we had done that. But <laughs> Newton coming back and Sanders panned out pretty well. Your Eagles. So, I mean, you know, it, it wasn't a loss. But, yeah, we're, we're definitely in the market to trade. So, uh, check, check the roster out and uh, hit your buddy up and let's see if we can make something happen. Like but Shane, that. don't be trading Michael Thomas uh, without talking to us. <laughs> no, no, I've already talked to you about it. I said I'm trading. You <laughs> <laughs> have to approve this trade, brother. Only, only one first and a second for Michael Thomas. Okay, what? She's <laughs> drunk. Yeah, Shane. Shane will send him for Carson Wentz straight up, and then we'll be totally screwed. <laughs> All right, so End let's. Let's talk to Scott about some of these rookies. Now, Scott, you, you haven't seen our show sheet because um, we said no, a lot I sent of him that things. stuff. Oh, damn it. Um, <laughs> so I did have a question. I heard you talking a little bit about running backs on the Dynasty Blueprint uh, today. Um, well, wait, before we get into that okay. question, Shane, before okay. we get into the question, can we ask him to talk about um, his pre- uh, predictive measures, his predictive analysis, and what he's put together a little bit more, and then go into your question? Because it'll be, you know, it'll almost tie right into it. Sure. 
Well, same question, but I wanted you to talk about the predictive um, um, measures that you took, um, you know, you spent the month on to get ready and, and put this great stuff out for, uh, you know, for, for all the uh, readers. Yeah, so just um, generally speaking, you know, my process has always been along these lines anyway, where it's, you know, first I just go through all the raw data, uh, and the combine hits and, you know, I make tweaks based on that. And then I spend a ton of time watching tape, talking to, you know, tape experts, spend a lot of time talking to, you know, Mike Renner at PFF, Danny Kelly at the ringer, uh, people along those lines, which goes into, you know, my rankings and then the draft hits. And the most important, important thing everyone knows is draft capital. Uh, also landing spots, big, um, I, I spend days watching every post-draft press conference where GMs and coaches tend to be far more honest. They're just like so excited yeah. they got their guy. They're, they're you know, talking willy-nilly. Oh yeah, well, we only like him as like a run blocking tight end. We don't think he's that good as a receiver, but blah, blah, blah. So big bunch of hours of research goes into these rankings that get tweaked every single time. And so that's what I'm doing here. Just the first pass of my, you know, model is just the the raw, the the objective, looking at the most important variables for each position. Like, you know, yards per route run is insanely important for tight end and, and wide receiver. Matters, you know, a little bit less for running backs, where running backs total missed tackles is so important. Doesn't really matter much at all for for mm -hmm. tight ends. Look at you know, Zach Ertz has forced two missed tackles over the past four years, basically, but he's still, you know, this phenomenal, productive tight end. Um, I, I'm doing this with a, a multiple regression formula. Um, you know, I back tested it. It's really strong. Uh, I should mention, you know, like for the combine, I'm only looking at the most important uh, events and like for wide receiver, like honestly, combine super overrated. Uh, and, yeah. and even as a whole, like, just looking at the best, most predictive events uh, really is only going to have like a small impact uh, on on my my second version of my model. But this first version of model, long story short, it's done. It's glorious. Uh, <laughs> I feel really good about what I have. You're like some guys are a little different than my rankings, but but for the most yeah. part, you know, I'm staying true to the model. Man, I like the practical sound of it. Like when you, you know, people are sometimes scared off by metrics and some of the, you know, some of the things that are put together for people who, you know, in general play dynasty football and it might be intimidating, but I, I like the practical sort of pragmatic nature of how you put that together. I think that that's what I think is the most interesting part. And, you know, the predictive, na predictive nature is, uh, is just a really good angle. Yeah, I, I should say these articles are, are out on PFF, the wide receiver ones coming soon. Uh, Paywalled. Uh, maybe not the tight end one, but like uh, these articles are awesome. Like I, I just feel like if not to toot my own heart horn, but I feel like if I could just like, you know, if I just tweeted out like my favorite stat from each player, like each one would get like 50 retweets and 200 favorites. I'm not doing that. Just, just read the article. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Just trust me on this. Yeah. We kind of, we kind of were uh, loose with the opening, like Shane made the joke about, but we didn't tell everybody where they can find all your work. Yeah, so Scott, follow me on Twitter at Scott Barrett DFB. Uh, my articles are on pff.com uh, in the the fantasy section. So Shane, you had a question you wanted to ask him. Um, well, now I just want to know when all these articles are going to be done because I read the 
tight end <laughs> one, I believe. Is that what I read? Did I read the tight end one? Is that what's already out, Scott? Uh, so that one's out. The, the running back's out. Uh, I, I will say about the tight end class, you know, you're going to hear all these NFL uh, draft analysts come out and trash this tight end class saying it's terrible, uh, which is like true to a degree. Like, like there's no complete TJ Hawkinson, you know, style of tight end. But Hunter and Harrison Bryant, specific, Hunter oh, yeah. and Harrison are, are not going to be touted very highly by the NFL guys because they're like sort of tweeners. They're, they're more in the wide receiver mold. But, you know, that's great for, you know, fantasy where like Evan Ingram was that basically. Uh, and I think that's what we're going to see. I think, I think these guys are, are really good, uh, exciting prospects who like if you look at ADP right now, I think they're both like third round rookies. I only play tight end premium, by the way. So they're, they're going to be way higher in, in mine anyway. But uh, but I do like those prospects both uh, quite a bit. And I, I don't get inside sources almost ever. But uh, but I got one on Harrison Bryant said, uh, you know, this guy really could be uh, a top 50 pick. Teams are going to fall in love with him. He's he's a great receiver. Um, and then Hunter Bryant, I like even a little bit more than that. Uh, it's really? cool that you brought both of those guys up. I just happened to have both of them seriously on my college fantasy football team. Um, oh, you know, getting tight ends, you know, not not drafting most of them highly, um, getting them later on. So it just happened like that. Uh, and it was great to see that you let you're so high on those guys. Um, you do own them in some Debbie spots. Uh, uh, interesting to see what other people bring out. But um, I definitely put uh, took stock in that. Uh, those ratings. But I did read your running back article. And that's, I think, what Shane's about to ask you. Um, there's one key running back that I want to talk about here in a minute. I can't find the running backs one. I, I don't think I read it because I can't find it. I definitely oh, read it. Huh. Maybe I'm just not that bright. I mean, that's. <laughs> Why don't you ask your question? And anyway, I think we'll get uh, into it. Oh, where are we at? Oh, okay. So just, I guess it's maybe the third tier of running backs Keyshawn Vaughn, Zach Moss, you know, Benjamin, Scotty Phillips. Can any of these guys be top 24 backs, do you think? Or more, more importantly, will they be top twenty-four backs? Um, so yeah, I, I love Zach Moss. He, according to my model, he's the RB two. According to my rankings, he's the RB three, and I, I feel great hmm. about that. Um, well, I, uh, it's close with with. We'll, we'll see how 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 much like legitimate buzz there is around DeAndre Swift going in the first round. So he's he's maybe RB three or four in my rankings, but. RB2 in my model, and Mike Renner, uh, the lead draft analyst at, at PFF, actually has an RB1. Um, oh, wow. And and basically, the, the key with him is he's just amazing at forcing missed tackles, and that's easily one of our most predictive, most valuable metrics uh, at uh, at PFF. Really, you just look, take a list of, of the best, you know, total missed tackles for seasons in the NFL, and all those guys – have had a ton of fantasy success. Were drafted really high. Uh, you know, Kareem Hunt was the the first guy in that mold. But you also have you know the Dalvin Cooks of the world, the the Christian McCaffrey's, the Alvin Kamara's, and specifically, what my model liked most about Zach Moss is what I think is really interesting is the model said that in terms of projecting bell cow potential, uh, you know, receiving fantasy points, I didn't think raw receptions were that important at all. So you, you have someone like Clyde Edwards Hilaire who caught 55 balls. What was more important was the efficiency on those catches. 
And so Moss totaled more missed tackles forced as a receiver than Edwards Hilaire on half as many receptions. He scored just yeah. as many standard fantasy points on half as many receptions. Uh, and the same thing was too true for Jonathan Taylor. And those guys ranked first and second in yards for route run last year. Edwards Hilaire, in spite of the 55 catches, ranked much lower. So, uh, you know, I like his bell cow potential. I love him as a runner, you know, just, you know, missed tackles for us. It's just such a, it's such a money stat for, for college prospects. Um, the one guy, you know, it, it might've missed on was David Montgomery. I just had a big t- Twitter hmm. thread about that a few days ago, but the red flags I noted with Montgomery uh, aren't there for Zach Moss. So what are some of those red flags? If say someone didn't have a chance to um, search your tweets. Right. So uh, with Montgomery, so with all running backs, basically, if you force missed tackles, chances are you're really good at at gaining yards. And, and that's a better measure than yards per carry because yards per carry is what is the offensive line giving you in so many instances, whereas missed tackles forced is what is this running back doing independent of his blocking? Uh, so typically you're good at forcing missed tackles. You're good at gaining yards. Montgomery might be just one of those rare instances of a player who's good at forcing missed tackles, not very good at forcing uh, or gaining yards. And I, I think that's because, you know, he lacks that initial burst, as everyone said after the combine. Uh, yeah. He lacks that high-end speed, uh, which which we saw in his low breakaway percentage numbers throughout his career. Uh, and he was he was just slow out of the gates. Like, he, he drew contact behind the line of scrimmage so often. And then if you look at runs – where that wasn't the case, he still only averaged like 4.5 or 5.0 yards per carry, which was like among the worst in the class by far. Whereas you look at someone like Zach Moss, who's mm-hmm. you know elite at gaining yards when contact is initiated behind the line of scrimmage, and when that's not the case. So when he's he's had an, uh, had had a, a bigger hole, and in spite of like. Uh, a really bad offensive line that graded really poorly in run blocking, you know, contact wasn't as uh, initiated as often as it was with, with Montgomery. So looking at it a bunch of different ways, I, I, I would say, you know, he's going to get comp to Montgomery. He's going to get comp to Kareem Hunt because he's in that archetype. Um, But, but I, I like him more than Montgomery and probably a little bit less than, than Kareem Hunt. Yeah, so I guess that's what it is. Because when you watch David Montgomery, you, you know, even to the untrained eye, you're like, something's not right here. <laughs> you know, what I mean? for lack of a better phrase, it's just like there's nothing there. Like he might be able to break a tackle, but it's also because everyone in their grandmom can catch him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was I was disappointed with him for sure. At the, at the same time, I mean, he's still a rookie. We've seen so many rookies disappoint year one. Joe Joe Mixon. Ladanian Tomlinson, Le'Veon Bell, Christian McCaffrey, they all yeah. had worse yards per carry averages their rookie season. He got the touches. He was, he was, you know, every beat writer talked him up all summer. The the spent a lot of draft capital to acquire him, especially when factoring in the trade. Uh, you know, the teams were selling out to stop the run because Mitchell Trubisky stinks. He, you know, he's not right. dead, but but there's I have a lot of concerns. It was a rough offense, and I mean the Bears were not good, so that didn't help. It's not like they put a a, gen, a generic average back, of, and maybe he is at more average than we thought. But they didn't just take you know this crummy back and put him on a great team, and he 
failed or a great back on a great team. They failed. I mean, the Bears were not a good team. So it's tough. I mean, you have so many variables to, to consider. And the reason we talk about it, too, is, you know, trading for him because you can get him a little cheaper. You know, now, um, of course, uh, you can move him. But we talked about his value before. Um, where did you have uh, Singletary last year? I just thought of that. Like you had him ranked pretty highly, right, in your model from last year? Uh, so according to my model, like uh, he was he was definitely, uh, um, you know, higher than whatever consensus had him. Um, yeah. But yeah. but I, the, the model didn't exist last year. I had him I had him RB four post draft, maybe yeah, okay. a little bit higher because he, he was another guy who, you know, crushed missed tackles and right. didn't have any of the red flags that I just listed with David Montgomery. And in fact, the opposite was the case where, you know, he excelled in all those areas where Montgomery struggled. Not that you'd have the time, Scott, but if you took last year's running backs and ran them through this model, that would be kind of interesting. I'd like to see how some other running backs look through your model that you just developed, you know, historically, now, Debbie picks, whatever. I don't know what you want to say, but I'd like to see other running backs in, in whole through your model. Yeah, so uh, so Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, ranked historically elite, uh, basically third best within our sample, only Melvin Gordon, and Dalvin Cook ranked higher and, and directly beneath him was Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. And, you know, I'm in full agreement with that. I think he's, you know, really that kind of level of a prospect. You know, people overthought it with Christian McCaffrey. People right. overthought it with Saquon Barkley. Uh, I don't think we should overthink it. I think it's Jonathan Taylor as the RB1, and I think he's the 101. And you're not even a little bit concerned because, frankly, I'm not, but I'll just ask you if you're concerned at all about the workload Jonathan Taylor saw at college at uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get that. Like when you're talking about DeMarco Murray hitting his contract year, yeah, that's a concern or like a 27-year-old back or 28-year-old back. Yeah, but you're, you're talking about a young three-year college starter who averaged, you know, 300 plus touches per season, never missed a game. Uh, no, when I, when I see that, you know, I, 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 I put that in my notebook as a good thing, guy who can handle a workhorse workload. Uh, I definitely don't see that as a negative. Um, so yeah, I yeah, like man. that. That track speed. I mean, he was a, a track star, um, ran track there, you know, I mean, in, at Wisconsin, I mean, he's not, he's super fast. He's not slow in any way. Um, he was durable, all the, all the yards that he racked up, everything. I mean, there's not – you almost have to, like, be nitpicky to find something not to like about Jonathan Taylor. You do. I mean, almost so, have to be biased to not like the guy. I was talking about, like, you know, each stat for each player, I could tweet that out, get get 50 retweets or whatever. Here's my, my chart for Jonathan Taylor is – so, like, since 1956, <laughs> every college football player ever in the Power Five – sorted by yards from scrimmage per season. Jonathan Taylor, 2,193. No one else hit even 1,900. Wow. And if you look in the top 10, it's, you know, two busts. LaMichael James, who is an injury guy. Ron Dane, who <laughs> still went, you know, you know, top three overall, but, but a historic bust. But then beyond that, it was Herschel Walker, is Ricky Williams, Dalvin Cook, Ray Rice, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. Wow. And if you exclude, yeah. if you exclude uh, or if you include not uh, power five running backs, you get guys like Marshall Fox. So like really just like an elite cohort of names. And he's at the top of the list, just like 
and and any stat you want to look at, especially the stats that my model cares about, he crushed. You know, leads this entire class in career yards per carry, leads in career yards per route run. I like his uh, upside as a receiver. Um, yards after contact, the best seasons we've ever recorded. Just everything you'd want, he has and he crushes. And and like I said, I, I I'm not supposed to look at 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 too much film like. When I do, like I consider that cheating until until this model's done. These articles, <laughs> right? <laughs> cheating. <laughs> but, but I I I watched a little bit of tape on, on pretty much everyone. But he was the one I just like could not stop watching, which I think is a great sign with a running back. Like Kareem Hunt was like that when he got when he was getting zero buzz out of Toledo, and it's just like he's a guy you can't even like mind blowing film where like I couldn't even appreciate it until I watched it in slow motion where he's just like running and he like runs into like a sort of pile and then you blink and then he's out the other end going for yeah. 18 yards and you're like, what so happened? Fast. Yeah. You watch him slow motion and he's just like doing these like Neo matrix moves, dodging guys in the, in the pile, you know, stiff arming them and just, you know, somehow like making guys miss in a phone booth and, and somehow coming out the other end. And he's so fast, so athletic, just like a phenomenal, let's not overthink this. I, I think he's, He's easy 101. Can I ask about one guy that you have ranked higher than probably anywhere else I've seen? Um, yeah. You know, Benjamin. I, I was just no, 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 no. Just, I'm not knocking the model at all. It's just that um, the consensus on Edo Benjamin is not great right now. Yeah, so so um, I would have guessed that if you asked me the, the one guy you think your model's wrong on. And uh, I mean – Benjamin's okay. He uh, he was another missed tackles forced guy. Uh, he had bell cow usage. Uh, you know, average seven hundred and fifty plus snaps, two hundred and seventy five plus carries, about forty receptions per season. His last two years uh, came within one hundred yards of two thousand scrimmage yards in twenty eighteen. Uh, so you know the numbers are there, uh, in spite of poor uh, offensive line play. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't like him as much as my model for, for one reason. He, in spite of the bell cow usage, you know, he was, he was below average in yards per route run. Um, and beyond that, you know, he's supposed to have a poor combine. He's, he's yeah. underweight right now. Um, my model has him five. I, I definitely won't have him five in my own rankings. But, but again, he, he did well at a lot of the things I care about. And I'll probably have him maybe eight in my rankings. You know, it, it's funny when you when you talked before about likes and views and everything, a lot of people just really go right for the lists. People post a list and it gets so many views. If you had to say right now, before the combine, before the draft, everything, what would be your like top five running backs? Before we go on to the wide receivers, uh, obviously you sound like it would be Jonathan Taylor would be number one, but what are your top five? Yeah, so so right now it's Jonathan Taylor one. It is J.K. Dobbins, two. It is Zach Moss, three. It is DeAndre Swift, four. And, and again, you know, my model, like, the hit rate is, is great. It's, like, it's crazy good. But it would have missed on Josh Jacobs last year. And, and the reason why yeah. it would have missed was because, you know, he was, he was uh, a committee back um, yep. who didn't force a lot of missed tackles. But part of that was they both had elite offensive lines, and then if you look at the career numbers, you know, uh, uh, 
where where Swift ranks only behind Taylor in yards for carry, yards for route run. It looks, I mean, my model has him six, uh, but but again, like Jacobs, when when it was announced early on, Jacobs earned an invite to day one of the draft. You know, I just you know catapulted him up my <laughs> rankings. I would do the same for Swift because you know mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the most predictive variable, most predictive metric is uh, draft capital. Yeah, uh, he's he's four. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is five. Um, and that's that's uh, Cam Akers is probably six. Yeah. <clears throat> when you say that about that's a good list. Yeah, but when you say that about draft capital, what happens if Jonathan Taylor goes to a situation that you don't believe is so ideal? Is that gonna knock him down or is he so good that it won't it's not gonna matter? Um yeah, so that, that's a really good question. It, um, it, it would have, it would, it would, it would really have to depend. Like, if, 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 let's say, I mean, Eno Benjamin goes to, you know, Kansas City in the first round. Like, you know, I could conceivably have him over Jonathan Taylor, who, who would go to, you know, you know, like the Giants or like somewhere where there's an established. <laughs> Sense or or a coach who's who has never had a bell cow running back only like only uses guys as as a runner with like a a pass catcher uh, uh, scat back involved splitting snaps or something I don't I don't know but but um again that's that's a factor that comes in later to the process and it's funny because your your response to that just goes to prove that you're right the draft capital is like the biggest predictive for you for the player yeah for sure um so what about wide receivers uh jeremy shane did you guys have questions about any of the wide receivers i mean i'm i want him to tell me that t higgins is going to be great so <laughs> if he wants to tell me that that'd be awesome he's gonna be okay <laughs> scott do you want to tell him that <laughs> Yeah, so I, I mean, I agree. I think, I think T Higgins is going to be great. My uh, model has him as, you know, a, a sort of elite wide receiver prospect. It doesn't. It probably doesn't have him as high as he'd like in this class, but um, but I, I feel I feel he's going to rank a touch higher in my own rankings, and I feel great about him. Scott, let me ask you this: um, there is one one prospect that's uh, particularly uh, divisive right now in Jalen Rager. Uh, what do you have on Mr. Rager? Oh, I have, I have an amazing stat on him. Uh, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't finished that, that blurb yet, but I'm going to have a, a filthy stat on him, which is just Good. like, basically I took all, all wide receivers over the past two seasons. You look at their yards, find wide receivers with a similar a dot to Jalen Rigor, uh, Rieger and, uh, look at, the percentage of their targets, which were deemed accurate by PFF charting. And, you know, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it was like 20% of his, his throws were accurate. Whereas someone like T Higgins, you know, something like, you know, 65% of, of his, his targets were accurate. That's a, that's bad. <laughs> that's not good. It's insane. So like, yeah. and like, so if you look at then, you know, yards by accurate target, uh, you know, he was, he was amazing. Uh, my, my model liked him. It, it didn't love him. Uh, and I feel like my rankings are going to be similar. I think he's going to crush the combine, but I also think NFL teams dramatically overweight the combine. Um, one wide receiver I'd love to talk about uh, who my, is Tyler Johnson. Hmm. 
because my model absolutely adores him good and you know (laughs) doing the research on him i i I don't get it so he wasn't invited to the senior bowl which basically means that nfl teams think there are 15 better uh wide receivers than him yeah if you if you look at all the the expert mock drafters the expert draft guys like the, the big name guys like matt miller daniel jeremiah whatever you know sure early january it's here are the first round wide receivers it's it's jerry judy it's cd lamb lavisca tyler johnson t higgins and uh, henry ruggs and then and then two months later you know someone asked him about tyler johnson they're like oh he's he's a day six day seven guy basically you know there's just so much evidence that NFL teams hate them there, or, or there's someone like leaking to these guys that he stinks to maybe suppress his, his draft value. I don't think that's the case. I think, I think legitimately NFL teams don't like him. I do not know why. Uh, what are the most predictive, most important variables to consider? Again, it's landing spots. So maybe I should have them a, a lot lower because there's all this evidence saying landing spots. I mean, not landing, draft capital. Draft capital is going to be poor, right? Right. Yeah. But at the same time, the most important variables are things like breakout age, dominating at a young age, dominator rating, yardage market share, carrying your team, PFF grade, yards per route run. Guess what? Uh, you know, he had the dominator rating. He, he made up, you know, basically 50% of his team's passing yards over the last three seasons, yeah. including his 19-year-old sophomore season. Over the last two years, he finished just three yards shy of CeeDee Lamb in receiving yards, ranked first in PFF grade, first in yards per route run, just obscene obscene numbers and and people hate him i I don't i don't know what it is he's supposed to yeah what's not to like is the thing that's what i want to know what's not to like because you know and he did that and sometimes in dominant fashion against some pretty tough over over a few years pretty tough big 10 defenses i mean it's not like the guy's a slouch um playing at a small school racking up stats it's hard to figure out why you know why they're so low on him uh i don't get it yeah, the NFL hates him. Um, I mean, it didn't help when, you know, he's initially invited to the Shrine Bowl and like, yeah, nobody wants to be there. That's not your goal. You want it to be at least invited to the Senior Bowl. But then to drop out of the Shrine Bowl, I think if there was any hope of him ever getting into the Senior Bowl after that by bowling out, well, obviously he blew that. So he is interesting because I know a bunch of Debbie guys love him and Scott's model loves him. And apparently all the analytical models love him. But the NFL apparently hates him, yeah, yeah, unless it's, it's just a smoke screen and he's going to go day one. Everybody really loves him <laughs> yeah. and they're fighting over drafting him. They're all pretending. They're all pretending no, don't, they don't so want him. I don't think that's the case because they hated him last year too, where he, he based on his numbers, you would have expected him to come yeah. out. And he basically told him, we don't have a high draft rate on you. You should stay in school. And what should you work on? Yeah. He was quoted as saying, basically, they told me I need to work on everything, route running, <laughs> not dropping passes, getting faster but being more physical at the catch point. And like, so they like legitimately hate him. He's also supposed to stink at the combine. Uh, even the coaches came out and said like he his playing. I don't know what he's going to run at the combine, but his playing playing speed is pretty good. And like it basically supposed to stink at the combine. But again, like, I don't think that matters. But what, what I did think was interesting was he was by my data. He, he was elite, elite, elite at the, the slant route and like yeah. one or two other routes. And what was interesting was those were the same routes, you know, Michael Thomas domi- dominated, Devontae Adams dominated, uh, DeAndre Hopkins dominated, uh, a few guys who basically- DJ you know, Moore. 
Uh, yeah, a few guys who like the NFL was a little too low on uh, guys who, you know, weren't hyper athletic or hyper fast. Um, and I think so. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just I just know I'm a coward if I don't if I don't rank him like top seven. Yeah. Top 10. So that's what I'm going to stick into your guns. Him. Yeah. The one well, guy he, that I want to find out uh, what Scott Barrett thinks about is uh, Henry Ruggs. And I was waiting to ask you this for a while, your model, you personally, tell me about Henry Ruggs. Cause I'm not the biggest fan of that player. Yeah. So, so that's a tricky one for me. My model didn't like him, but of course my model wouldn't for the same reason, my, my tight end model, really, really good. Two players that missed on was Noah fan TJ Hawkinson, who it had, would have had as like, you know, second round tight ends or third. Yeah. Like day two tight ends. Uh, and the reason why was because, you know, how often do you see two round one tight end prospects playing on the same team in right. the same draft class? Never. So, <laughs> yeah. And it makes them look bad in comparison. It's the same thing with Alabama where it's like, okay, you have what five top 50 receivers on this team. If you include, you know, Irv Smith and the guys coming out next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so he, his numbers aren't, you know, models not going to like him based on his numbers, but to be fair, he's playing against, uh, playing with some elite guys, uh, I, I still think I'm going to be way lower than consensus, partially because all of the data I've looked at says more so than any other position, the combine is massively, massively overrated for wide receivers. If you if you adjust like so, again, yeah. draft capital is king, right? So we know having a good combine is going to help your draft capital. Right. And even then, the correlations to fantasy points were like barely anything. The two best, most important things were bench press and and weight and everything <laughs> else was at like zero correlations. And then if you adjust, <laughs> like, why would that make sense? Why would that bench press? You're not like bench pressing a, a corner off of you. And right. press Am I playing running back? Am I an offensive lineman? I don't yeah, know it, it makes no sense. So like and then if you adjust for draft capital, you, you get. These, these negative correlations where uh, basically what it's telling you is like legitimately in the second round, uh, if you have a wide receiver going, you know, pick number 50 and pick number 55, and all you know is the, the one who went pick number 55 was slower than the guy drafted right ahead of him, okay. you should draft the slower guy for fantasy. Like <laughs> that just shows you how much NFL teams are, are overweighting these athletic players. Uh, uh, measurables for wide receivers. It's basically saying like, this is a really difficult position where, you know, being good at that, you're, you're made up of uh, tan- uh, intangibles and tangibles, tangibles like sure. measured things at the combine, like speed uh, and whatever. And these intangibles are, are more important. And, and you've seen it. There's, there's a lot of guys in the NFL who have had a lot of success who, you know, were, were deemed too slow or had a poor combine or, or right. what have you. And meanwhile, John Ross is kind of an afterthought. Maybe he'll yeah. do okay the new Cincinnati offense and he'll he'll become something. But, you know, that speed that he showed off, that he practiced for, and he, you know, he, he broke that record, really doesn't mean a whole lot anymore. Um, when is your article for the wide receivers going to come out? Uh, well, I'm still working on it. Uh, so, you know, probably, hopefully Monday, maybe, maybe Friday if I really – get a <laughs> well cool. so all right so obviously it, it it it's still a few days away but what is your top five for the wide receivers then 
Um, do you want the model or, or my rankings? Your rankings. Okay. All right. All right. Um, CD Lamb number one for sure. Feel really good about that. I was going to ask you that. I'm glad you said it right off the bat. I, I, I didn't have to worry about sneaking that in there anywhere. Exactly. Go ahead. J- Jerry Judy number two for sure. Feel really good about that. Uh, and then it gets then it gets really tricky. There's there's this big giant tier, uh, and I think it's I think it's Higgins three. Nice. Uh, in contrast to my model, or maybe maybe Lavisca. I'm just gonna put Lavisca and uh, Higgins three, three and four tied. Uh, and then number five, you know, do I do I want to cower to expected draft capital in rugs, or, or do I want to put, um, you know, I think I think maybe brian edwards i would i I have edwards over rugs but i'm not as smart as you are with this (laughs) stuff Um, and and that's one of the things i've always valued um your analysis and i like that it's even improved over the years with this uh predictive nature uh but the fact that you don't just look at um i mean primarily you're looking at data that tells the story but then you solidify it at the end um with more tangible things that also matter that have a greater predictive power than some of the things you might have had leading up to the initial rankings, but that's something that you, you know these guys know. I've talked about for a couple of years, and it's just that you know I do a spreadsheet and I just put some stuff on there, and I'm a guy playing dynasty football, and at the end of all of it, um, I come up with a confidence rating for who to draft when, especially when you know when you're kind of you got a cluster of guys four through eight or something, whatever, and you're trying to break ties, you know, watch a little bit of their, them playing football if you don't have enough on them. And, and, and where did they get drafted, of course, at that point, if you're at that point in your rookie drafts and just some more tangible. And I don't want to say common sense, but it's just, you know, things that you can grab hold of and, and really use that you can take. And as um, you know, almost primary research, I guess, and plug in, too, and then see, see how that shakes up your confidence uh, in those players. And, um, and, and your model with, um, you know, the way you have it set up and that it's cool at the end that you also do a little, I guess, refactoring or, you know, a, a polish at the end just to kind of scrub it and say, you know, common sense tells me this player is drafted in the first round. I might want to bump him up my list or conversely, this player wasn't drafted very highly and maybe I need to bump him down. Uh, I mean, it's just it makes a lot of good sense. And, and I know you have a lot of readers and I, I think you're helping them out with that stuff. Yeah, so I, I appreciate that, and, and and you're right. So at the end of like this wide receiver article, I, I'm gonna have to put, you know, notes. You know, Henry Ruggs, KJ Hamler didn't didn't rank in the top seven, but you know they deserve a mention because they're gonna get drafted highly. They're gonna have great combines. They're whatever. You know, you mentioned at the beginning about that you only play in tight end premium leagues. the The biggest thing we've talked about on the show for a while, Shane specific. Specifically, you know, Superflex seems to have taken over everything. Everybody's Superflex right now. And with the Superflex, these quarterbacks end up going higher in some of these rookie drafts, especially in the bigger leagues, like we have a 16-team league and everything. So where do you have the quarterbacks in this rookie class? Like, how do you have them ranked? And when is a a quarterback article coming out for you? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. I I kind of just want to throw my hands up in the air at quarterback. Like, <laughs> a, any model anyone's gonna do with quarterbacks uh, is gonna suck. It's just like 
you know, volume stats don't matter. Like even the efficiency stats you think matter. Like it's just like so hard to nail the quarterback position and NFL yeah. teams. I mean, have had so much trouble, you know, solving that position, even with all the PFF data I have, I don't think I'm really equipped to, 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 to do it. I don't think a model is going to be worthwhile. So I'm, I'm just kind of punting that position. Where, where do I have the quarterbacks? I have it, you know, one Joe Burrow, because uh, he's awesome, uh, <laughs> really tight second Tua because he's awesome, and then the, the rest of the guys, I, I'm really just gonna you know appeal to authority there and and go with whoever the the experts tell me, and you know yeah. after a little bit of tape and looking at you know PFF's information, but but uh, that I feel really good about the work I've done with the other three positions. I, uh-huh. I think quarterback's just a little too tricky. That's cool. And you know, you speak about the other two positions or three positions. I'm sorry. What, what about the tight ends? What, what is your top five with the tight ends? So, uh, number one is Hunter Bryant. Number two is Harrison Bryant. Uh, number three is Adam Troutman. Number four, Bryson Hawkins. And then number five, basically my model said those are the only guys likely to be uh, a really high draft pick, you know, potential, you know, late day two guy. Uh, but I guess Thaddeus Moss, just because, you know, the, the buzz he's getting. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but really those four guys are, are the, the big ones for the me. The big names. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to ask, do you think anyone's even worth drafting in non tight end premiums within the first two rounds right now of rookie drafts? Tight end. Um, I mean, I mean, I, I, in in non tight end premium, I I treat, you know, the tight end position like I would the kicker position. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I wouldn't waste my time. Um, all right, so you know, before we wrap everything up, uh, Shane, Jeremy, do you guys have any last minute questions for Scott? No, man, I'm I'm still you know kind of processing everything <laughs> I took in from Scott tonight. I got to get a voice to text um, up to our podcast. I, I was going to say, I was going to say, I noticed on the show sheet, I wasn't sure which one of you two guys were writing it, but people were writing down his list while he was talking. I see a tear thing. That was you. Okay. <laughs> great. Jeremy. Yeah, no, uh, Scott, you've been great. Answered a lot of our questions. You know, we'll dig into some more of this as time goes on, maybe after the combine, as we get closer to uh, the draft, you're welcome back. Anytime you want to talk about whatever. Um, thanks again. And, uh, you know, we'll see you out there. Let's, let's do a post-draft uh, update at the very least. Well, Scott, sure. I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you, are you going to be at the draft at all this year? Um, probably, probably not, but, oh. uh, okay. You never know. All right. Well, cool. Well, I, I was going to say I'll be out there and there's a bunch of people oh, that nice. are getting together to do, uh, some podcasting. So if you were going to be out there, I would like to meet up, but if not, you know, we'll get your thoughts afterwards. And so before we go, why don't you tell everybody any, anything you want to plug, anything you want to tell that we haven't already talked about? <laughs> uh, no, definitely check out these articles. And, uh, if I'm not at the NFL draft, which I don't expect to be, I'll probably do the, uh, drunk, drunken live stream that I've done for the past nice. years. So awesome. Uh, make sure you, you check that out where, uh, I think three years ago we had someone drunkenly fall asleep mid <laughs> show. So, uh, <laughs> really? Awesome. well, we're going to try to do, put something together while I'm out there on camera too. Cause these two guys won't be there either. So maybe you'll drunkenly stumble into our room as Alec Baldwin, you know? 
<laughs> I'd love it. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it. And like Jeremy said, you're welcome anytime you want. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. That was great to have Scott on the show. You know, it is funny. I love when he always makes that reference about being the Alec Baldwin to our show. It'd be cool if he did just pop in one time just out of nowhere. So um, we're going to do the Patreon show. So before we go, uh, do you guys want to tell everybody about, well, we already did the Patreon stuff. Uh, tell, go check out our iTunes account at Dynasty Trades HQ. Oh, wait. Yeah, give, us, give us ratings and reviews. Yes, uh, ratings and reviews. And then I just looked at Jeremy and I realized uh, HQ3. Yeah, HQ3. What, what? We already have all the we, we have all the entrants. We're ready to go. We're ready to roll it out. Everybody. So, yeah, you were talking before the show and you mentioned that um, we got so many people. <laughs> we did. Uh, Want to be in it. And all of them are awesome. So we're going to yeah. have to do an HQ4 as well. So we'll be doing an HQ3 <laughs> and an HQ4. <laughs> Boom, surprise, surprise. That's the surprise. Um, but I think we're done, right? Because yes. Do we have enough people now? Oh, we have more than enough people right. to do we to have, do. We HQ. have enough to go even further, but I think we're going to have to cap it at three and four and, and maybe open up a fifth next year. So okay. that was the surprise we were going to say, and, and it kind of just kind of rolled out of our mouths, actually. But And, we, and so, because we can, we decided they're going to be auction leagues, right, guys? Right. Auction drafts. They are auction Both drafts. Course, yeah. And what we're going to do is we're going to notify everybody. We wouldn't want to sit here and do a show where we're sitting here saying every name so we're going to notify everybody this week send out invites and and so it is a little bit different than what we had said we were going to do but it's actually better because now we have multiple new leagues so so go check out our itunes account at dynasty trades hq give us a rate and review um send us any trade offers that you want us to talk about um on our twitter at dynasty trades hq and uh we're gonna go do a patreon show so everybody say good night and thanks for listening say good night Say goodnight, Shane. Good night. Good night, Shane. Good night, everyone. Good night, Shane. Goodbye.